This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us today. Well, if you're heading to court these days, what seems to be essential to a positive outcome is a high degree of pre-trial preparation. So today on Ringler Radio, we're going to take a look at what factors go into reaching the decision to settle a case versus trying the case. We're also going to be talking about the methodologies used to evaluate the various elements of that decision. And we're also going to talk about the whole area of jury consultation. And to do all that, I have a co-host with me, my colleague, Duke Wolpert. Duke serves as Vice President of National Director of Marketing for Ringler Associates. He's responsible for new business development across all platforms, insurance carriers, TPAs, the self-insured marketplace, and that's in the U.S. and also in Canada. Duke's also responsible for managing life market and strategic business partnerships for Ringler Associates. So, Duke, welcome to Ringler Radio, and uh, that sounds like you got a lot on your plate there, Duke. Yes, indeed, Larry. Great to be here. Thanks uh, for the opportunity. Super. Well, joining us today as our special guest is Ross Souter, litigation consultant at Magna Legal Services. After practicing as a litigator in Philadelphia for several years, he turned his attention to litigation consulting services, where he's been involved in the development of trial graphics and trial presentation strategies. His work includes partnering with members of the trial team to develop themes and case strategies that hope to persuade juries, judges, and arbitration panels. So with that, welcome, Ross. We look forward to having a great discussion with you today. Thank you, Larry. Good. Well, Ross, why don't you tell our, our audience about your role as a litigation consultant? What what does that entail? Well, litigation consulting, you know, it's a broad and, and varied role, uh, but more or less uh, we or I work with our clients to uh, help them leverage their best themes or stories or evidence uh, to increase their likelihood of winning at trial. Uh, and we do this several ways. We act as advisors or coaches uh, to the lawyers on strategy, and again, often on the theme and storyline development. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work as jury experts, uh, so we can run or create focus groups, mock trials, uh, advise attorneys on jury selection, venue analysis, trial analysis, witness prep. Uh, and then also on a trial presentation standpoint, we work and help uh, devise mediums in which to show the evidence, some type of graphics or whatever it may uh, be. And finally, uh, trial technology. So we help with war room and courtroom setup and bringing a database of exhibits, uh, which we can run electronically at trial. Good. I think we're going to get involved in uh, discussing some of the specifics around those a little later in the show, but uh, that's a very good introduction. Hey, Ross, uh, I know you've done some consulting in the commercial litigation, intellectual property, and mass tort arenas. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in some of those arenas? 
Absolutely. I've I've had the the fortunate uh, opportunities to have worked in a wide range of litigation matters. Uh, Unlike when I practiced, and and I believe what is the case with most litigators, we generally fall into one practice area. But having uh, consulted on many cases, and again, as you stated, everything from big IP cases, uh, bet the company type of litigation involving Mostly these days, you're seeing computer and hardware and software type of cases. Uh, there, there, there's also been some some work in the commercial litigation on my my end and mass tort. Uh, but you know, you name it, from beginning to end, I've worked on cases large and small of every type of variety. Uh, it just uh, so happens that the the IP cases tend to come to mind first. Interesting. Well, how do you, uh, Ross, how do you translate and apply your experience as a lawyer into your present role as a litigation consultant? Well, I, I think my role or having experience as a practicing litigator gives me some advantages um, from a behind-the-scenes type of perspective. I understand some of the pressures that are on the attorneys, uh, both from a win type of standpoint, but also from a client relationship, and that's with the attorney and their client. So, uh, you know, I I understand those pressures and and work with them and help devise means in which to give them the services that they need uh, at a price point that works with them. And also, I, I believe having had the experience, you know, I can speak to the legal aspect. So oftentimes, with the graphics, I may look at the graphics before they go out uh, for admissibility issues. Terrific. I understand you also do some jury consulting. Uh, interesting and growing area, and I'm interested to find out a little bit more about you know, the typical jury that you're seeing out there, Ross. Juries definitely vary by, by state, by jurisdiction, by county. Um, there's a wide range uh, of who's showing up these days. Uh, really, I've been speaking a lot about the millennial jurors uh, because they're the fastest growing, largest segment of the jury population, and people don't have a lot of data on them, and they're not sure how they will relate to certain cases, themes, storylines. So you know, we're, we're trying to gather that data in order to be able to predict a little better about you know, what may resonate best with, with millennial jurors. Well, you know, at, at Magna Legal Services, where you know you do all this, uh, you use mock trials and focus groups in, in order to view the case through the eyes of the jurors. And how important are these focus groups to uh, develop a strategy on the case? I, I absolutely think they're essential these days when you're going to trial. I mean, what we oftentimes find is attorneys have an opportunity to spend you know months, if not years, with a case. They get to know it like the back of their hand. They have some access to the experts, so they have that added benefit. Um, And what we're looking at is people then get wed to certain theories that may or may not resonate with jurors. And, And I can tell you, as we run focus groups or mock trials, some of the things we almost always hear is, you know, I can't believe they are focusing on that issue or somebody didn't say certain thing, but they think somebody said that. You know, we, we're working to develop a way 
in which to present the evidence so it best meets juror perceptions or expectations. Because at that point, they're able to internalize that data or that information and take that back with them into the deliberation rooms and, and hopefully, ideally, come back with a verdict in our favor. You know, you know, Ross, one of the key uh, traps that I hear from lawyers when about mock trials are is the whole area of who you have presenting the other side of the case. Uh, some, if it's a plaintiff firm trying to uh, determine what the outlook and the outcome might be, the real key is who they've chosen to be the defense attorney in the mock trial. And do, do you find that uh, the preparation of the other side of the case and the presentation of that side of the case uh, is critical in, in really getting an honest view from a, from a, from a mock jury? Absolutely. And what I talk to my clients about is we're all competitive by nature, particularly attorneys. They want to win. I talk to them about focus groups and mock trials being practice. It doesn't matter necessarily if we win or lose in this exercise. That's not what it's designed to do. It's designed to help us present the evidence and find out what resonates and what is impactful to jurors. So my recommendation generally is whomever trial counsel is, assuming that they're you know one of the top litigators in the, in that firm, uh, they take the the opposite role because we don't want to short the opposite side. As a matter of fact, if there's evidence that can be taken both ways or can be slanted one way or the other, slant it towards the other side because generally we'd rather know worst case scenario than pie in the sky results. No question. Interesting. You know, Ross, more and more we're hearing about jury profiling. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into uh, jury profiling research from your end? Sure. And jury profiling encompasses many different things. I mean, a lot of it has to do with um, figuring out who the best juror will be based upon some type of, of either personal narrative or, or some data that we can collect. Um, it also can be used to figure out damages analysis. So going out and and somehow, it's, it, these days it's generally done online, go out and interview hundreds of thousands of people or ask them questions and then have them put damage numbers on a case. And that gives us a perspective of how people view that case uh, and then what they see as the valuation of it. At the same time, we can collect data about individuals and find out about their demographics. And then we have ideas of what to look for when we go to jury selection. So we can weed out the the people that are uh, not going to really like our our end of the story. You know, uh, Ross, there's no, there's no question that the, one of the keys to success at any trial is how your side's witnesses come across uh, on the stand, uh, both in terms of their demeanor, their credibility as a jury, uh, you know, hears and listens and looks at them. You, you, you use a witness communication training process. Uh, share with our audience how you work with witnesses on a case to, to hopefully generate the best result. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's, there's a whole practice area going, going on just for witness communication. And what will will generally do is make up a mock deposition, uh, bring in a videographer and videotape the deposition. And then we're able to play that back and work with people with regards to their inflection, you know, the exact words that they're using, body language, things of that nature that will 
you know, one one way or the other impact how a jury views that person. It's interesting. We'll see it a lot with executives in particular because, you know, they're generally high up folks at at an organization and, and people kind of curtail to them a little bit. So we need to get them in the mindset that these aren't employees of them. They need to be able to relate to them. And there's some studies out there. And it's interesting. We always ask folks before a mock trial or a focus group, who's the least distrustworthy group? Uh, and generally, when I ask attorneys about that, they think it's themselves. But in actuality, it's CEOs and CFOs. So those folks, we need to figure out how to work with them to inoculate the jury against that that bias. There's also other ways. We, we've worked with um, clients who have really aggressive opposing counsels who may uh, you know, be kind of the yellers or the screamers are very aggressive and in people's face. And what we've done is we've actually brought video cameras to the deposition so we can videotape that attorney and then bring that back and use that for subsequent witnesses to help them understand what is going to go on here and not to react to it. And 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 finally, really, a, a lot of what also happens is uh, in the we we have some online platforms that we use uh, for jury research. We're actually being able to use those and run uh, online testing of a witness. So we can come in and do the deposition for actual jurors in the jurisdiction and then hear what they say and what's important to them and what their feelings are. Well, you know, Ross, I'll give you a, a real world example of what you're talking about, uh, where, where there was a need for a, someone like you to be involved and, and that, that individual wasn't there. Uh, trial in South Alabama, kind of a rural county, and the uh, the general counsel of the defendant came down from New York City with pinstripe suit, tie, tie pin, you know, and uh, handkerchief in his pocket. And uh, just, you could see the jury just not reacting well to that guy. So he needed, that guy needed someone like you to say, you know what, when in Rome, you have to be a little bit different. And, uh, and that, that impacted that case, by the way. I, think, I don't think the jury liked that guy at all, which is very interesting. It, and it's much easier for an outside consultant such as myself to come in and explain that to the individual than right. some of his employees. Exactly, exactly. You know, Ross, I think we're all aware that at times jurors can have pre-existing attitudes or biases in particular trial venues. And uh, when it comes to your community attitude research um, and, and assisting attorneys, uh, when it comes to moving venues, can you speak to your capabilities, how you get involved in assessing the potential need to change venues? Absolutely. And, and, and that's another time where we will go out into the relevant community and ask questions about certain issues. Um, generally, these are pretty high profile cases. They have some some really interesting fact patterns to them. And we're trying to figure out you know, just how people feel about certain entities or individuals or whatever it may be. Uh, one of the most famous uh, war stories of, of that was the Michael Jackson case, where before his criminal trial, he hired some consultants much like us who went out and did this community research. And what they found was the vast majority of people, just upon hearing the name Michael Jackson, thought he was guilty. Uh, when they went back to pick the jury, uh, they weren't finding that phenomenon, so they had to bring the consultants up and speak to it, and they used that as an opportunity to try to change the venue. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now and be back in just a minute 
right here on Ringler Radio with my co-host, Duke Walpert, and our special guest, Ross Souter from Magna Legal Services. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit ringlerassociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined today by my co-host, Duke Wolpert, and of course our special guest, Ross Souter, litigation consultant with Magna Legal Services in Philadelphia. Well, Ross, in our last segment, we were discussing being in the courtroom and going to trial. Let's discuss uh, settling lawsuits. And in your experience, what kinds of cases usually settle and, and what are the driving forces that lead to that outcome? Well, these days, most cases uh, settle. I mean, it's just uh, it's such a risk for both the plaintiff and the defendant uh, to take it to trial, just sometimes with the uncertainty of of jurors and what what they'll do. Um, I was actually just reading an article where I think Florida in 2013, only about 2% of filed cases went to trial. Uh, But you'll generally read statistics that 90 to 95% of cases end up settling. And again, it really does come down to the risk. Uh, People are fearful of the runaway juries that they keep uh, hearing about from the, the defense end. But what we don't hear about is the cases that get defense verdicts and and plaintiff's counsel have to spend a lot of their own money to take them to trial. So, you know, they, they want to do what's best for their client, but they know that the risk is there as well. You know, Ross, aside from the risk, what what other key advantages are you seeing or hearing about when it comes to settling lawsuits as opposed to moving forward with trials? Well, you know, each case is so fact specific, um, and and a lot of it goes down to the individuals that are involved. It goes down to the type of law firm, uh, the kind of general sentiment of the of a relevant community. You know, things change over time. Um, right now, if you had a case that had law enforcement involved in it. You know, back five, ten years ago, that might have been a good thing for for your side of the case. But with events such as Ferguson and what's happened in Baltimore, it may not necessarily be a good uh, a, a good defendant to have. You're no question about that. Those demographics change. Those feelings change. And and what's really changed, Ross, is the whole area of social media. Um, social media is everywhere, and in the courtroom. I know there have been instances where jurors, I think especially millennial jurors, those that are, have a lot of access to social media, 
They might even go to their social media page to discuss the case with their friends. Uh, we've also heard about you know, plaintiffs who uh, allege injuries uh, showing up on their social page with uh, you know, pictures of them dancing at the disco. Uh, there, there's a lot of that going on now. Tell us about what you can help uh, client, your clients do on the whole area of social media with something called, is it jury scout, jury monitoring? Tell us about all that. Sure. Well, there's definitely a lot of different uses that social media uh, brings to the table in the litigation process, some of it on the discovery end. And then as jury research consultants, you know, we look at it from how does this impact juries? So that's what Jury Scout is. It is a monitoring tool in which we can go look at the internet, look at specific jurors, and use it in a various ways. So first of all, we use this information that we find on social media about prospective jurors during the voir dire process. So we're able to get a better understanding of who this juror actually is and whether it's somebody we want to use a strike on or maybe we can even get them uh, removed for cause. So you can use social media for voir dire. You can monitor jurors, and there's a there's a, a lot of cases out there where you can find uh, instances of jurors friending each other, talking about the case, posting about the case, uh, friending each other, trying to friend the defendants or plaintiffs or witnesses. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that um, are, are not permissible that that occur. And if you are monitoring the jurors, you may be able to find that, uh, and then at that point in time, bring that to the court's attention and have those jurors removed for cause. Uh, the final aspect is, you know, we all hear about information we post in social media. It doesn't disappear. It's out there. And it does. It stays out there for forever. And we can then go in after a trial. So a, a firm doesn't get the result that they thought they were going to get. There's a runaway jury, whatever the situation may be. We can go in post-verdict and then all the information being cached online, go in and look through it and find some uh, appellate issues. Interesting. Well, you know, Ross, you've been talking about jurors and juries. Uh, what about the actual claimants, uh, plaintiffs, so to speak, and witnesses? Uh, how do you know whether they're telling the truth? Is there a, some kind of a, a process you go through to, to test the veracity of, of what they're all about? Sure. Using this, the same type of technology, we are able to go out and, and, again, kind of scrape the Internet and bring all this information about an individual back. And at that point in time, we can analyze the data and do some deeper digs. And we're looking for things that fly in the face of the allegations. So there are instances where we found individuals skydiving and doing these other activities that otherwise, according to their claims, they should not be able to do uh, or, or can't do. Uh, sometimes it's trying to find a, a witness maybe from the information that's being posted online because um, there is some you know, geo-surveying type uh, information out there as well. So there, there's a lot of utility with social media when it comes to the discovery process. Um, you know, we, we, we generally look for those kind of silver bullet pieces of information that, again, we can use to impeach. But sometimes just the information we find out there may validate somebody's claim. And, and that's good information as well, too, to be able to make a informed decision of how we're going to use this. You know, Ross, it's clear that you have uh, 
a vast experience and capabilities at Magna Legal Services. I have to ask, is knowing your jury the key to winning your case? It sounds like it's extremely important. Um, would you consider it really a key? It is extremely important. And, and once we get to the point where we know a case is not going to settle and we're going to get to trial, then knowing what's important to jurors, what's going to resonate with jurors, what is going to be information that they can use and take back into the deliberation room and argue on our behalf, that is essential. It's, it's key, so to speak. Uh, it's what we need to figure out how to give to the jurors in order for them to bring back that that verdict that we're looking for. So, Ross, uh, as we wrap up today, what are some of the the newer technologies or methodologies that you folks at at Magna Legal Services are using to to help you with this whole area of evaluating juries? Well, we, we try and be on the cutting edge here at Magna with regards to you know being on the forefront of using leveraging technology for use in jury research. So uh, about seven years ago, we developed an online jury research platform. Uh, we've branded it Jury Confirm. And what it does is it provides attorneys an opportunity to present via the web to jurors in their apps, in their actual venues. So we can uh, present uh, using the webcam type technology, show evidence, and then have jurors deliberate in virtual uh, virtual deliberation rooms and hear what they have to say about the case and see what kind of verdicts they come back to. So we actually just recently got a patent on that. So it's, uh, it's something we're very, very proud of. Uh, we listen to our clients, and one of our clients had some issues with some novel type of cases uh, with regards to evaluating for damages. And to do the jury profiling studies that we talked about earlier, they can be expensive. What he wanted to do was find out what his cases were worth in this venue uh, at that specific time. And we, over a year, developed Jury Evaluator, which is a damages assessment tool. It goes out. It uh, does surveys of the jurors. It gives us some weighted information back, and it'll give us a low, a median, and a high damages range. And we find, depending on the number of jurors that we use, we can be anywhere from you know 70 to 90% accurate with regards to the damages numbers that they provide us. Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of uh, lawyers, when they're involved in cases and a lot of claim departments, will look for, uh, you know, what were prior verdicts. They'll look for prior verdicts in the venue. And, of course, what that misses is all the settlements that have taken place uh, that could skew all those numbers in, to some respect. So you're actually going out and, and, and surveying jurors uh, or prospective jurors to kind of get their feelings prior to the case being, uh, being heard. Absolutely. We're doing it earlier on in litigation. It could be before a roundtable. It could be at the time of filing. It could be before a settlement or mediation conference. But exactly like you said, and it goes back to what we discussed earlier, cases are settling more often than not. So there is not that verdict research available out there to look at a venue and say, hey, this type of case is worth this amount because there's just not that data. So we might have to go to a surrogate jurisdiction or or we may be looking at things that are 10 years old and fact patterns have changed. People's perceptions have changed. So they're not as relevant as it used to be. So that's what jury evaluator is supposed to do. It is, it is designed to give you real time what people feel about this case at this moment in time. And here's the, here's the damage range that they're giving us. 
No question. That's uh, That's got to be a, a very effective tool. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap uh, today. Ross, if someone wanted to find out more about Magna Legal Services and, uh, and yourself, how would they do that? They can visit us on our website. It's at www.magnals.com, or they can reach out to me directly. My number is 215-870-1226, or my email is rsuter at magnals.com. Terrific. And uh, Duke, what about yourself? How would someone reach you? Absolutely. Uh, best way to reach me would be by phone, uh, area code 603-719-1021, or direct via email at dt, as in Tom, W-O-L-P-E-R-T, at ringlerassociates.com. Terrific. And, of course, any of you out there can reach any Ringler Associate by going to ringlerassociates.com. Uh, the website is terrific. It's got a lot of great information. Uh, I encourage you to go visit it. And uh, you can also, of course, find all the Ringler Radio shows on the website. And you can also find those shows on ringlerradio.com and legaltalknetwork.com or in iTunes where you can download and uh, listen at your leisure as you uh, wander along the park, hopefully uh, getting a little exercise as well. So with that, uh, I want to thank you very much, Ross, for uh, being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Terrific. And Duke, thanks for being a great co-host. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Larry. And for the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.